Okay, test, test, one, two. Okay, Tyler Brown, we're here at Chula Vista doing a podcast with Tyler. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Good, good, good. Just uh, back from Oldsmar. How was that? Yeah, it was a good weekend. We had a couple back-to-back weekends. It's been a while since we raced two weekends in a row, so good to be back in Florida. How was, uh, I mean, I watched it online. I see you, uh, I mean, with that, Christian's gone now. And then mm-hmm. Bubba, obviously, you had a little bit of a race with him on uh, Saturday and more on Sunday. I guess he got closer to you, but it seemed like... You got a bad start on Saturday, uh, Friday. Friday night, yeah. And you still won, so you really don't have much comp this year, do you? Well, it was good because like the the class is actually the biggest it's been since I've turned vet. I've never raced as many guys. We had 19 riders, which is big for the vet class. Right. But, yeah, I came unclipped, and I thought about six times I wasn't going to pull it off. But right. Then luckily, still pulled it off and got the win. I was watching, and I think you went. Um, um, you went low, low in the last turn, just the way it was going. I'm like, ah, I think you should have railed it, man. And that, you still got him. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a crash in the last that turn. That was it, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, was a, yeah. so I didn't know which way to go, and I was kind of like, at that point, I really thought it was over. Right. Like, I saw the crash in front of me. I thought I was going to hit a guy. Right. I saw how far Rocky was in front, and then uh, I think he might have ran out of gas a little bit down the last straightaway. Where's he, so. He's a big guy, right? Yeah. Where's he from? Uh, I think Brazil. To okay. be honest, most of the vet class is from South America. Yeah. There's like, out of the 19 guys, there's probably four Americans. Right. So it's, it's, it's fun, though. They're all super nice guys. Is Mosquito going to, anybody heard of him this year? or? I talked to uh, his team manager in Phoenix. He uh-huh. said that they had some issues getting his plane flight, that they had to get it last minute. It was going to be expensive. So right. I guess he's going to skip Oldsmar and then show up later in the year and maybe come out for like a month at a time or something. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Then you have some competition with him, won't you? He's yeah, still, yeah. Still good rider, isn't he? Yeah, he's super good. What? Uh, how was the rest of the race? Obviously, double A, D. David Graff, did that surprise you? Or? Um, yes and no. It, like, it didn't in the respect that I know David's fast, but it yeah. was his first win, so I mean, we all knew that David had it in him, Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was good to see him put it together. He was super fast. Nobody's going to touch him all weekend. He'd been living out there for a couple weeks, and right. he, he had that track dialed. I, just from me watching it on, online at home, it seemed like he had that first jump really good as well. I, yeah. I don't know if that was just the way I was looking at it, or he really did. But That first jump was kind of tricky because there's a really bad headwind. Yeah. So the guys that were kind of, it was almost better to push through and case the jump. Right. Rather than clear it and like, catch more air. Yeah, yeah. What and I, So I assume Joris, because his wife had a baby, right? So he raced first day, then took off because he won in the main on Sunday. Yeah, so I text him because he wasn't there, obviously. I was like, right. yo, what's up? Everything all good? Yeah. Like, yeah, man. I got the call. I'm on, I took the first flight home, and we're on our way to the hospital now. So so he made it back in time. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, he made it cool. back in time. They ended up having the baby. I mean, I'm not trying to spill his gossip, right. but uh, I think it was like Sunday morning at like 2 a.m. or something like that. Oh, uh, okay, so, yeah, okay, yeah. It. it made sense why I didn't see him, uh, see him in the main. And, and and talking to new babies, you, you what what date you guys? Coming yeah, up? we're June 25th, so it's coming up quick. Yeah. I, think, I think half the double A class is having a baby. I know. Right. Not that I'm double A anymore. Right. But there's plenty oh, of other. Oh, you still kind of in the mix with all them guys, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Oh, cool, cool, cool. What, uh, any other standouts over uh, Oldsmar weekend, Elise Post is all just business as normal? Yeah, I mean, Elise Post won everything. I think probably the biggest standout would actually be the junior women class. Like, that class was really fun to watch. They were passing each other, like, for Moto wins round one of the first day. You know, something you don't always see, but you can tell they're kind of newer pros and they're a little bit rookie out there. So it was it was really fun to watch, and the class was super competitive. Yeah, and then uh, that was what I was going to ask you about, the jet. So I, again, I was just watching the line. It just said he crashed and he was yeah. hurt. What's, what, what's the latest with that? So he came out swinging on day two. Like, he was one first round, one second round, was leading third round, and yeah. I think the wind caught him a little bit. Uh-huh. And when the wind caught him, he tagged the jump. It just went straight over the bars, and 
Oh man, it was rough because I actually went down there on the track. I know you're not supposed to, but he's my guy, so I had to make sure he's okay. Right. Um, really bad concussion. Uh, oh, I think he man. separated his shoulder a little bit. Nothing major, and then uh, maybe a couple other things. But the biggest thing is just the concussion at the moment. Yeah, so it should be okay soon then. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Good, good. Uh, Phoenix, anything takeaways from that you think, or was there? I saw you a little bit there. We caught up a little bit uh, in in general of the race. Yeah, I think Phoenix was kind of just like exactly like we said business as usual you know you had joris won both days of double a early elise won both days there um it was kind of just the same winners across the board so Mm -hmm. nothing real crazy and new just kind of we finished off the year with grands with the same people winning the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. and there's there's quite a few swiss guys in the main as well weren't they in uh oldsmar yeah yeah they had i think i think there was only one american i think corbin was the only american each day you had like three french three swiss an American and something else, you know? Right, yeah, so yeah, no, impressive for them guys. Um, all right, well, enough of uh, race results. Let's go a little bit. This podcast is going to be a bit more about you. Um, give us your history. Now, you're from Colorado, right? Yeah, I'm originally from Colorado. And uh, year started, getting into it. I started, let's see, I started kind of late. I didn't start till I was 12, almost 13. So I would say I started uh, 88. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I mean, 98, 98. I started 98. And then, uh, yeah, I quickly jumped through the amateur ranks and turned pro pretty quick and you raced with Bubba back then right yeah me yeah, and Bubba yeah. are the same age so I've been racing him since like I said I was 12 well 13 years old when I turned expert yeah and yeah. then you moved out to California right yeah I moved out to California so kind of a random story uh, I was 15 years old and my mom basically said my single mom she worked her butt off to get me to the races she mm-hmm. said hey I can't afford to stay in this house and go to the nationals so do you want to race nationals or do you want to stay in a house and race locals well I wanted to race nationals right. <laughs> so we actually sold our house everything that we owned we moved into a motorhome my mom did staging on the weekends sold bike parts during the week and we traveled the national tour and that's how we ended up in California. We know we didn't want to live in San or in, uh, in Colorado anymore. Right. And we just figured, well, let's travel for a year and see where we want to go. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, so we ended up in San Clemente because all the pros rode to Orange Y and right. my mom got a job in San Clemente and we were close to Orange Y. Yeah. Now, what was your first team, like factory team? I'm trying to think where um, I actually came onto my trying radar. Trying to think the first factory team I would have rode for. Advent? Yeah, well, no, I mean, that was when I was pro already. I don't really think I had that, like, maybe S&M, actually. Okay, that was, I okay, ended, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, ended yeah. my amateur yeah, career yeah. On, on S&M. Right, yeah. and then you went from there to... To I had, like, Action Bikes, uh, which was funny enough. I mean, back then, like, as a bike shop team, like, it was a really good sponsor. Right. They were paying all my expenses, giving me bonuses, and as an A-pro, I was making some pretty good little cash from that. And then from there, I went over to Avent and stuff like that. Yeah, so how was your first couple years pro? Uh, my first year was... Because I was coming out as you was coming in pretty much, right? Yeah, I think we yeah, raced a yeah. little bit in that transition yeah. period. My first year was actually pretty good in the respect that I did good in A-Pro. Um, not a lot of wins, only a few podiums. Mm. But then I made all my elite mains that year, I think, except for maybe Grands. Mm-hmm. And so I was really excited, probably running on rookie hype. And then year two sucked. Like, it kind of transitioned <laughs> from fun and hype to, like, it's a job. Right. And I had a couple injuries and, and kind of struggled a bit. So Yeah. yeah it, and you went to the UCI Center, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually was at the first ever UCI camp in Switzerland. I remember that, yeah. They had a, a two-week camp the first year where I went out to that one. Um, but probably the biggest one and probably like a life-changing moment for me would have been the second one. I went out there when I was 19 turning 20. And uh, it was three months, that one. Mm-hmm. And I was at that point where I was 19 years old. I wasn't really doing anything as a pro much. And, you know, you know, teenage girl stuff. And yeah. you know, you're having fun with the boys. 
and I went over there and it kind of changed my really really my life to be honest and kind of with Hervé was he like your first trainer yeah well I actually actually funny enough Jamie Staff when I was like amateur still oh really he used to write some programs for me right um, so he would have probably been my first quote unquote coach uh, where I was getting programs for even yeah. though I probably wasn't doing it right, right. but Hervé would have been my first one that was like hands on really like going in and learning what it was like to train like a pro yeah because like he was like kind of the first guy over there one in UCI yeah yeah center. I remember you used to see the stuff it was overhead overseen by Michelle Leland who trained Christoph yeah and yeah yeah Dr. Sauce yeah so yeah, he yeah. was like the head head coach but right. he was never there like he came in on like the first day and the last day so he was on his way out wasn't he I think well I think yeah. I think it was just like he kind of oversaw yeah. things in right. quotes but Hervé was the guy really putting in all the work and the yeah. stuff oh cool 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 and um you raced in Europe that year as well then, right? Yeah, yeah. I raced a handful of Euro rounds, like the Euro Championship. So you'd have been racing with Evo and Ali was back then probably, right? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Ali would have been back then. I think um, you were actually came over one. I, I don't remember which, maybe yeah. in Austria or something I, like I did that. a few that because that's when the, the... When the gate was busted, if you remember that. Austria, Austria. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we had to do like the second, like finish day one on day two. Okay, yeah. I think I actually got, might have got second there one day. It's when uh, British Cycling started doing the, the, the funding stuff. So yeah. they bought me back or they're like, hey, we'll give you these funding if you come back and do some of these races. And it's when Kelvin, I, you know, me and Kelvin uh, travel around a lot together. So yeah, I do remember seeing you at some of those races. Yeah, yeah. Th- those were fun, man. Yeah. I love racing over there. And we came, I, I, did, I did, came back for the Euro finals and I think you might have been there as well, which were in Switzerland. I think that was just like a one-off mm. pro invitational race. Uh, Maybe okay. not invitational race because I think like you and Jay in. No, no, I did that one. But okay, I, there's a Euro Finals as well. Which oh yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I remember which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and then I that got cancelled on the first day because yeah. of the light was running out or it's wet. And then they was like, okay, you can race the next day, but we're doubling it up. But we don't want to give you pay and a half. They won't give us double pay, but double points. Or something. Sounds sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Typical yeah. Euro deal. Yep, exactly. No, I remember yeah. that. Those, those were fun. That was a big race. Right, and that indoor in Switzerland. That's where you you are really started to get good because you won on the second day, right? That was kind of like my breakout race actually okay. that was my first ever like elite win right um and i always looked up to alia so yeah. to have him be in second was like a big deal for me yeah and that was kind of like the confidence booster and that was when the you know i had signed a deal with avent to be on their factory team for the next year and, right you know it kind of all got the ball rolling but i think really it was that time in switzerland yeah that taught me what it was like to really be a pro and yeah. how to train and that was that december was a reflection of what i did over the summer right and kind of everything coming together so what was your best year then you say the next the following year um that year was good 2008 i had i had a pretty decent year in 08 unfortunately mm. bad injury like before the olympic trials so that put me out but Shoot the trial. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i was yeah. in the olympic trials i started off the year actually no sponsor i flew myself to the world cup i wore jeans and a long sleeve and uh, i got fourth in the world cup i went and made a couple podiums right after that still in jeans and oh, that's good got picked up on croupie after that and then um battled through an injury that i had like i said before the olympic trials but then came back and had a pretty decent year to the end of the year so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i never did anything like stellar in double a i was always kind of that middle of the pack guy that mm. never really had that big sponsor so i was always like doing clinics and working part-time jobs and stuff and right. kind of get by but i mean I, I wouldn't change it for the world yeah and then what made you decide to move down to um chula vista then was that just for the racing or for the track i can't really so i was actually i got invited to be a resident athlete here in 2010 right so i moved on site to the training center in 2010 yeah and then uh, after that it just kind of made sense my whole goal at that time kind of like every bmx was the olympics yeah so i said all right i'm gonna go all in up through 2012 see what i can do i'm gonna stay down near train 
and then beyond that we'll kind of see what happens and um, at the end of it I end up taking over the track in Chula Vista so I've just been kind of here ever since yeah yeah and then obviously you're still racing double A so like, maybe tell us a little bit about working and, and, and trying to race double A at the same time how did you juggle that and I mean I know you continue we'll talk a bit more about what you're doing now but yeah. I mean, you continue to, to, to juggle juggle it as a top racer as well I think I don't know at that point if I was really a top racer anymore I think racing uh, I mean it's still a massive passion of mine but it almost be kind of came a hobby in the respect that I had a full-time job I had a couple of them I ran the track I also ran the GT race program oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was I was probably to be honest I, I mean I had the potential to quit who knows if I ever would have but between the track and then GT it was kind of like well shoot I'm supposed to be at the races now so if I'm gonna yeah. be at the races like let's go in the gate if I'm gonna be in the gate well I need to train and yeah you know it kind of kept me going I'd say my last few years like I didn't really have much results I got like a podium here and a main there and yeah. stuff uh, but it was more so just kind of it just made sense for me to continue to race yeah you know? yeah and then when you did finally um, um, yeah call it quits on, on double A so obviously you was full full steam ahead yeah uh, with the track so tell us about maybe taking over the track and how that came about and um, yeah how you, how you obviously continuing to build the build at the track every every year you've got new stuff going on and that so yeah tell us about that that's actually a really good question because i've got some slack on the track lately uh so uh, <laughs> uh, the, the thing with the track was is um the the abbeys who ran it before me they did an awesome job right. but it's really hard to run a track and work full time yeah and so unfortunately the track just wasn't getting enough numbers and it was it was struggling to survive at that point you know right. we we're getting four motos and 15 riders on a practice night and it costs too much and this is one of the rare tracks that usa bmx is actually the owner of they only do two in the country mm -hmm. not like that anymore but it was when i took it over right and so usa bmx is kind of like hey if we can't at least cover these bills we're gonna have to shut this track down and they approached me with the potential to run it and i said heck yeah that sounds great because again this was like i had a really bad crash around the 2012 olympics it's like well what do i do next mm -hmm. and then this opportunity just popped up mm -hmm. and uh I, I went all in and me and my wife wife took it over you know i kind of ran it but she helps me when i'm gone and stuff and we turned the track from one of the worst performing tracks in california to now we're a top three track and mm -hmm. like you said programs continue to evolve every every year it gets better and better yeah yeah so what kind of hours does it take because i mean we see it all online where you know everyone's complaining about the tracks and uh you know the track operators you see on there firing back quite a bit obviously but obviously you guys put in a whole lot of work what, what's a normal hours you put in I was probably right a lot more right now with the rain right yeah with the rain it's an absolute struggle right now because everybody goes to me and goes oh well you're good because you get a break with the rain it's actually the exact opposite we're working double time mm -hmm. just to fix the track and and with what we do out here with asphalting the turns and stuff and soil tack and slurring the straightaways it's kind of like front loading all the work in the respect that you know there's periods in the year where i just go out and i'm you know I'll put a hundred literally a hundred hours in in two weeks and just go crazy and slurry it and do all this stuff yeah but then it kind of maintains it through a lot through the rest of the year yeah so other than when it's rainy and crappy right now we're just brooming it off and fixing what we can and trying to keep it alive and then obviously they're at night as well aren't you when the tracks are open yeah yeah so i mean i generally work 8 a.m to 8 p.m pretty much every day during the week because i'll have my usa cycling job during the day right run that all day and then we do racing tuesday private coaching wednesday lessons thursday race friday birthday parties on the weekend if we do league stuff we have that going on so so sunday is the day off i try been, to yeah. yes yes i really try Can't to talk about bmx yeah even yeah. even saturday i try to quit scheduling some of the birthday parties and stuff and right just, just to like have a little bit of a normal life you know? yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about your usa cycling role and what you're doing with all that so I guess my official title is assistant head coach. Uh, we don't really have a coach, so I'm more so kind of, kind of I just run the day-to-day -day operations, meaning if the guys need a Supercross session, I'll be there. And I'll be there everything from 
if a rider wants somebody to sprint with, I'll jump on the sprint box next to them. If they need help in the gym, they need a spot in the gym, I'll work out with them. Or if we need somebody just to kind of set up the timers and hold video and stuff like that, I kind of just will do all the day-to-day stuff. And then I travel with the team of the World Cups as well. Yeah, and that obviously you're doing that this year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my role is just a little weird because in USA, like each pro kind of has their own coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm not physically coaching these guys. I'm more so checking in like, hey, Christian, or hey, Ariel, or hey, whoever, what does your rider need? Do they need the timers this day, or do they need the track access on this day, or whatever? Yeah, yeah, and then obviously you've got your own team as well, 316, so maybe yeah. uh, a bit of scoop on that. Yeah, I love that. That team's been around for a really long time. Uh, I started it when I lived in Orange County, and it's just kind of grown and grown, and my biggest thing is when I when I left GT, that was it was real corporate there. You know, it was, I mean, nothing against GT, but it was kind of like you had to have a meeting about what you're going to talk about in your next meeting about, right, yeah. and you just couldn't get anything done. Right. And I had so many ideas and I learned a lot from that team. Yeah. There's so many ideas that I wanted to do and how yeah. I wanted to promote a brand. And when I decided to leave, I, I was actually really lucky that I had a really good response. DK jumped straight on board. I had yeah. some good local support, um, some good in-industry support. And then uh, the team has just continued to grow. And luckily, my success helped to allow me to pick up Jared. So now we have an elite ride for the team, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he I won the title last year, and he finished top five, which... He had a really good year last yeah, year. Yeah, it was a super good year. Oh, yeah. And um, so now it's just kind of trying to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. And how many kids do you have total... Oh man, this year we kind of we went all out. We didn't really say we didn't really say no before. I kind of kept it local, right? And now we've got kids all over, literally the world: Brazil, oh, uh, I didn't even know that, Sweden, yeah. right, um, Germany. So we've probably got like sixty kids. Yeah, I gotta love the world teams. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like this program, this team is other than Jared, obviously, it's really focused on development. Like I don't run team sheets. Yeah, um, it's every kid at the beginning of the year. I don't care if they're five years old; they have to write a resume of some kind, mm-hmm. and you got to make sure you have the right sponsor product on and teach them how social media works and it, yeah. it's super development like i don't care how the kids race right. they've got to be good kids and yeah and kind of learn how sponsorship works absolutely and especially in today's world i mean we all get the messages daily and i don't know about you but i get all mine from south america that sponsorship requests yeah i mean it's every single i do horror stuff as well so i get a lot of stuff that goes through there you're getting it and all it's then. unbelievable how many messages and and hi i'm joe so-and-so 10 novice i've been racing two weeks and uh, how do i get on the team oh 100 you know, percent. so yeah and, and so the difference between what you run with like a factory program mm. and mine is like i will accept that novice writer right but i'll say hey you have to rewrite me a new resume and right. you need to do this and it's more so to teach them how yeah but you run a program where they're getting stuff covered and they're getting free product and mine they have to you know they get some discounts and stuff but they have yeah. to buy buy the product to be on the team and you right. know, a little bit different of a program i think i read one of dv's comments where you know he events about it sometimes and one of the kids said you know some somebody had messaged them guys response and i guess db's like what's your credit card number let's get this going yeah <laughs> you know? yeah. And, uh, yeah exactly obviously they could disappear i've used that a few times i mess around with them sometimes you know you have some to, to the, keep yeah. it fun because yeah of, yeah some of it is just unreal some of the messages that we get right good stuff good stuff um okay vet pro so you you turn into vet pro this is your second year. second season yeah i, so, I yeah. turned midway last year that's right that's why i made right before the world so obviously you've won the world twice already so yeah. Maybe talk us a bit about that racing Christian last year, and then uh, yeah, what you, what you think about uh, Vet Pro in the class? And yeah, it was super fun. I mean, Christian, he's a he's a really good guy. He's one of the, it's cool because uh, you know we can battle on the track, but then still high five, and we kind of work with each other on the USA Cycling side, so we're colleagues in that respect. Right. I think everybody wanted us to kind of hate each other and just to kind of build that rivalry. Right. Uh, but nothing but respect for the guy. He's got a phenomenal career, and he was kind of finishing things up, and I jumped in at the right time, and um, so now I hope to you know keep his winning as many titles that dude did because he won yeah. a bunch. 
Uh, is anybody else going to hop in this year? Do you know? Is there any any word on anybody? Yeah, I think Thomas Fernandez is supposed to turn as well. Uh, obviously, we have Bubba come out, so I don't know if Bubba's going to race anymore. He says that he's not going to, but I think he had a ton of fun, so I wouldn't be surprised to right. see him on the gate. Um, but Thomas Fernandez is fast, and I think there's a couple, few more guys jumping in. So yeah, and I saw la- I saw last week. We're getting to prize money in a second, but I saw that you guys got ramped up a little bit more last week, right? On the checks. Yeah, so we're cool because of the rider count. because our stuff is all based on rider count. Go, okay, got so it. So if we have four guys we make it's like 300 bucks it's nothing but if we have 30 guys like our pay can be as high as the elite pros we won't ever get 30 pros right but ours is strictly based off rider count so the more riders that show up the more money we get paid yeah yeah cool stuff all right well let's get into a bit of uh, current racing landscape what's going on all the all the stuff we read about and talk about i know you're deep in it because you're kind of your, your industry you've got your team stuff but you're hanging out with the pros and yeah. the usa cycling so you really probably one of the few guys that's seen and, and hearing everybody. So what's your thoughts on uh, BMX, you know, the, the landscape of a, as a sport in the U.S. as it sits it's today, you know, because, yeah, everyone's got an opinion. There's there's so much to say in that question, you know. I mean, there's there's so much, like, you hear guys that, that BMX is the worst it's ever been and it's super low. I mean, but I run a track and, you know, my track's doing the best it's ever been. It continues to grow. Uh, it, there's... There's so many things in that. Is is pro sponsorship or is pro sponsorship probably low and payouts low? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is pro prize money low? Yes. Are bike sales maybe down? I don't. I can't speak on that. I can only speak on my own program and what I run. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I said on my stuff, like things are going really good right now. So yeah. I think I think it all kind of comes with the work that you put into it. Yeah. And you've got to look at at kind of where you're at with things you know yeah that's yeah that's a hard question but yeah i mean i agree that a lot of things are down but at the same time like somebody's making money yeah you know, like i'm sure somebody's selling bikes whoever it is whether mm-hmm. that be christoph or or dk or haro or you know whoever right yeah you know? yeah what's your thoughts on uh you know always comes up and obviously with phoenix last week and then the check as soon as the pictures you know for the checks uh for podium for first day on and phoenix all the all started to go down on on facebook and instagram what's your thoughts on the current um, pro pay and uh, is it you know what what, what do you whack. think about it yeah, yeah it's, it's I mean straight up it, it's, <laughs> but there, there's a lot of things that go into it like people can't just say it's USA BMX's fault like mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into that pro payout mm-hmm. and that a lot of people probably don't know and you might have seen my rant my biggest thing is like don't bash USA BMX like instead of bashing them like let's come up with a solution don't just say you suck you suck but right. I think we can all agree pro payout's low but there's reasons that it's low like mm-hmm. there's like UCI implemented the fact that men and women have to have the same pro payout and it doesn't have anything to do with gender. It's strictly rider count wise, like whichever bigger rider count or for a class has bigger rider count, they should be paid more. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is my analogy that I always use. It's like, it's like Dale, me working at a front desk for 20 hours and you working on a roof doing construction for 40 hours mm-hmm. and me claiming that I should get the same pay as you and I'm going to work half the time right. for half, you know, for, for a way easier job. Mm-hmm. The male class, and again, it has nothing to do with gender. It's just the reality. The male class has double the numbers. They have to run more laps on the track, so it means more risk. Mm-hmm. They're jumping the pro section, which means they're riding harder tracks. Mm-hmm. So, and, and all it should be, it's strictly like, it should be based off rider count. Yeah. It shouldn't be based off because if you want to be equal like the men are getting screwed it's not equal right yeah I understand I spoke a little bit to John David in um, in Phoenix and he told me about and I had heard ruffles a little bit about some little pro committee that the you know talking a little bit with USA BMX but then I listened to Anthony Dean on uh, Tory's uh, podcast Tory Nighthawk's mm-hmm. new podcast uh, Coffee Chatter yeah yeah I listened to that check well. that out as well if anybody hasn't heard it yet but anyway Anthony said there was only really kind of one meeting and it's kind of 
gone dead. I don't know what you know much about any of that. I, I think it was it happened in Louisville last year. It was uh, it was kind of like I know Elise was there. I'm pretty sure Anthony was there. It's it's a very small group, and they met with a few of them just to kind. I think maybe Jason Carnes was there as to kind of like uh, like an older, more vet style rider, and then you had like your men pro, your women's pro, and uh, it was kind of like a closed door meeting. I didn't really get a lot out of it. I don't know if anything came from it or it was just discussions. Yeah. Uh, but I know that they did have a meeting, and I don't really think much has happened since then. Yeah. No, is there, you know, should the pros be doing more? Do you think? Or well, that's that's the thing. Is like there's so much into this. We got to look at number one. There is UCI minimums that USA BMX is already paying above the minimum. The problem is that the system as a whole is a bit broken because these guys are getting crappy pay. Mm -hmm. So you can't blame them for rolling in Friday, racing the race, and leaving Saturday night. Right. Like, they're not getting paid that much to afford another night hotel, another night of all this. Because I know people are complaining about that in Phoenix. Yeah. But at the same time. They're not staying enough to bring value to their class in order for USA BMX to validate paying them more money than they already are. Yeah. Because they're already losing money. Like yes. they're already whether it be a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, USA BMX more, yeah. goes in the hole to pay the pro class. Mm -hmm. So it's gotta be one of those things where I feel like all entities are they're they're all wanting to point blame on the other rider or the other person mm -hmm. instead of wanting to just go, you know what, man, screw it. It's my fault. Like whether that be the pros or USA BMX or whoever, like, you know what, it's my fault, like Let's fix it. Yes. And I'll put it out there. I'll take all the blame myself. If you want to put it all on Tyler Brown, I'll take all the blame <laughs> right. if we can get past that part right. and fix the problem because it's just the system as a whole is broken. Yeah. And until somebody kind of takes the blame and moves on from it and works on a solution, it's never going to change. And it seems like, and you'll know it from a racer, and I'll know it from a racer, you're so focused on your own career. You've Especially at the end of your career, you focus on hanging on and, and yep. keeping it. So the last thing you want to do is probably set up something and get involved in all the politics. It's easier to do that once you're not racing. So do you think that's maybe holding them back a little bit? They're so busy trying to race and For train. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's like they, it's hard to probably, uh, yeah, yeah. It's where I think a guy like yourself or Jason Carnes is that in-between guy is somebody what they probably um, yeah yeah need maybe. And you the know? class is so stacked like you literally can't fault the guys for not wanting to go and setting up a tent or going and doing press meetings or going to do it. Like I did that for GT as I was done. Right. I'd show up the Thursday before and I'd run around to bike shops and you know I'd meet with dealers and I'd you know autograph signing this or we'd do a clinic here or there and right. I mean that's because again like my elite career was kind of over more so and it was right. my job which I learned a lot but like I can't blame George for not wanting to do that Right. but at the same time until some of these guys start stepping up and adding value in some way mm -hmm. uh, and I mean I have my own ideas that could be a whole podcast in itself but until until that's being done I don't think it's really ever going to change what are some of your ideas I mean I would love like one thing we did that I thought was really cool at the whole shot challenge yeah, yeah cool. is cool, we split ticket sales mm -hmm. with the pros mm -hmm. so we, I went to those guys and I said hey every person that you bring in yeah. you're going to be getting five bucks towards your pot yeah, so, so all of a sudden up. a guy like Joris and Anthony and all these guys who have a good shot at winning it yeah. they're promoting the heck out of the event right. well, then the event's bigger I'm going to make more money they're going to make more money mm -hmm. it's a win-win for everybody you know, yeah. why doesn't USA BMX say Motivate them. say it at Phoenix we know that we're going to get 200 motos um, anything above that 200 count, we're going to do some form of maybe a 60-40 split on the entry fees. We'll right. go towards that pro purse. Mm -hmm. Now you have like your Olympians like Connor and Elise and all these top pros are going to be like, hey, swing by the chase pit. If Make sure you're here. We're going to be giving away a chase bike and you know do this and do this and do this because they know if the bigger that event gets, the bigger the prize money is going to get. Yes. So now all of a sudden you have pros marketing your event, which USA BMX is still going to win. Their event's going to be bigger and they're going to get 60% of something extra rather than 100% of nothing mm -hmm. and the pros get something 
happen as well. Yeah, it's motivating for them to go out yeah. and extend help promote it. You've got to. It's like anything in, in, in business and in life. You got to motivate your employees and that. You know. Yep. So same in BMX. Exactly right. But at least there's some form of value being brought to the table. Then USA BMX is going to see more revenue. The pros are going to see a little bit more revenue, mm-hmm. and it can be a win-win solution all around. I mean, that's just one thing off the top of my head that I that I've always thought about would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, now me and you have talked about it a little bit, um, uh, and Dwayne Taylor. I've been. I was talking to Dwayne um, in, in Phoenix. Pump tracks seems like we're a little bit behind Europe. You see it happening in Europe, and then you see the Red Bull doing their pump track series, and uh, seems like mountain bikers have kind of grasped the pump track a bit more than the BMX. Do you think there could be somewhat of a bit of a future with that as well for for BMX? You know, racing events, stuff like that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anytime. So I basically there is a pump track at Chula Vista BMX, mm. and that was something that I bought out of my own pocket. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't even track profits; it was straight my own back pocket. Because mm-hmm. I see all these kids, and they're clipped in, and they're going fast, which is cool, but they're struggling to jump because, again, they're worried about racing. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a time where I, you know, I took the bus and rode the trails all day in the track, and I just rode everything. And I think kids kind of lose touch; like they're either a racer now, or a park rider, or a trails rider. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more kids can spend on bikes, it's mm-hmm. just going to make them better across the whole. And I mean, that makes it better for the industry as well. Yeah, I mean, do you think? I mean, for me, I think every track should have a pump track next to the BMX track. It's like when I do my camps at your track. Yep. I mean, we, we we're on the pump track as much as the BMX track. I I ride because I, I still enjoy. It. It's good for the kids. It's good for the older crew. Exactly. And uh, you know, even the pros like it as well. You know, so maybe it's some should be more of a must on other tracks. You know, it's funny because I've got a trail line out there, and I took these fast 14, 15 experts that you know some of them can hit the pro section they're top three at nationals like they're legit dudes and they struggled so hard to jump four trail jumps on flat pedals and it was just completely foreign to them wow and then 30 minutes into it they were all doing it and they're like oh my gosh this is so fun i love this right and they were doing it for like the next month they come out on friday night they never even touched the track they just rode the trails yeah you know and, and that kind of stuff it's fun it's enjoyable it makes you a better racer everything mm-hmm. no i agree totally agree um, what do you see, you know, Olympics coming up next two years? I, I guess this year we'll really start getting, you know, more, more hearing about it, the hype, the World Cups, you know, points has already started. Um, what do you see after the Olympics? Like, uh, talent, do you think we're going to lose some of these guys? You know, the Connors and Joris's, the next yeah. guys coming up. What, how do you think that's going to... I mean, I'm talking more U.S. I think um, we will for sure. Mm. I think guys like like Connor, I mean, I don't want to speak for him for sure, but, like, he has made comments about, like, hey, guys, this is my last show. Um, and that's... I mean, that just they probably want life after BMX. And you've yeah. got your guys that... Like, a guy like Connor, what's he been... This would be, like, his third Olympics if he goes to another yeah. one. And he kind of is getting towards that he'll at that time will be closer to that closer to 30 and 30 and pro is pretty tricky yeah you know so i think you will see a handful of guys kind of drop off and start looking at other careers and guys coming through taking the places how do you see that for usa um i mean that's a great question i i i don't know who's going to kind of come in and i don't think we have that next for sure thing like um i think cam larson and picardo and those are a couple guys that are kind of your top Cam was like the top A pro last year for America. Bacardo was kind of that top amateur. Um, but we don't have any, we don't have like a Connor Fields, Corbin Shaw when they were 19. Right. I don't see a rider like that currently. Yeah, it's going to be wild to have that. You know, obviously had that with Bubba as well. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. On the girls' side, I think we've got a handful of girls yes. that are ready to come in and make some waves. Mm-hmm. But on the guys, I think we're kind of missing that at the moment. And what could, how, how could USA BMX, USA Saga, how can you, how, is there anything to, to, to get those next kids through or is just the way the culture is now well the biggest thing i think is that junior elite class that just started right i think that's really good because these riders kind of need before usa bmx pull they didn't pull the junior class but they said hey if you're gonna race junior elite you have to race elite men and you can't be amateur which 
effectively killed the junior class. Right. Um, none of those riders were going to turn essentially pro and be double A and lose their sponsorship and stuff like that. So now there's a junior league class. It's going to allow them to start gaining UCI points. They can go to World Cups now without needing to turn pro and some of these few other things, as well as working on some development stuff with USA Cycling to kind of help maybe motivate that class to be a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. So there is steps taking forward, but you're right, there has been a, a hole, and we're starting to see the effects of that hole now. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, so we talked a little bit about sponsorship, social media, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you do a good job yourself on, on you know, all the uh, platforms and that. Uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that and the pro riders, or they do, could they do better at it? Could they do worse? Or they I think it's kind of just mandatory nowadays. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like the day of, of being able to win races yeah. and not put something on social media is kind of dead you right. have to be and it's it's been a great sales tool for me as a pro to and that goes from everything across the board from promoting the people that, that pay me to run their product or promoting clinics that i do or summer camps that i do or everything like that mm -hmm. you know it kind of just allows the riders to be more in touch with those pros and, mm -hmm. and if the pros are utilizing it right it could be a very very valuable asset for it was some of the guys that are doing a good job you think in your eyes uh anthony, or girls as well yeah anthony yeah. always does a pretty good job you know yeah. he's pretty on top of it uh i think uh elise she always does seems to be do well promoting her sponsors mm -hmm. i see connor's kind of been putting out some how-to videos with chase him and joris have so a few of those guys but you know, i think there's a handful of guys that are kind of missing the boat too yeah um, but then, i mean there's a few kids like alec bob i think he tries a fair bit yeah he's kind of waiting to jump in there but he's always trying and he's asking questions yeah i saw jeremy smith putting a bunch of stuff up and he always puts out good photos yeah i just started following him yeah and his videos don't you? Yeah, yeah yeah so there's a few guys putting some good stuff out there yeah what um but bmx media in general you know obviously it's again everything's different now you know obviously magazines are gone now and, and websites seem like they're kind of dying out you know what's your what's your thoughts on that where do you get your news facebook there's, instagram there's bmx media anymore <laughs> yeah it's pretty <laughs> there there seems to kind of be a lack of it like in the respect mm. that if you're not there or watching it live like it's hard to find a video or mm. hard to find like i mean i know even as a pro like i'll be like looking for photos for myself and my team guys after the weekend and, yeah and don't really find stuff but i mean on the flip side like is anybody paying for photos anymore like i don't know so it's kind of again it's that that trap that we kind of got ourselves caught in yeah. as an industry uh but yeah i mean there was i don't really there's not too much out there anymore right no absolutely it's very yeah it's almost yeah you have to click on yeah facebook and instagram to see what's going on unless yeah you're i mean there. that's what i'll do at the end of a race like i'll start scrolling through guys that i know were there right like guys that i feel should hit the podium right like all right, it's a World Cup. Did uh, what was the results? Did Nick Kinman right, like, go to yeah. his page? Like, okay, he he got whatever, so he'll put up a photo of him on the podium. Right. You yeah. Know? So otherwise, you got to just kind of find those key people. Yeah, and, and talking to Kinman, I was watching him last weekend in France. It seemed like he doubled and looks really strong this year. Yeah. Um, who's who are you going for? Or not who are you going for? Obviously, you're supporting USA. Who's going to be some of the you know main guys? Obviously, Graf and and Kinman. Who are some of the guys you think? I think we're going to be looking at kind of like we did last year. We're going to be looking at the French and the Dutch guys. They're going to come in and really. Hot. Right. Um, obviously, the Swiss guys with with Graf and Simon Markhart obviously throwing some some heat in there too. Uh, but I mean, I would say it's probably going to be a bit like last year, where the French guys. I mean, they came out swinging these first couple races. They were uh, all over the podium in Phoenix and Oldsmar. Um, Nick is killing it, and he's going to continue to kill it. So I think the USA guys are going to have to put on a, a tough battle against. I think those are going to be your number two guy, countries. It's going to be the French and the Dutch. Yeah, and like say you said earlier, you're going to go to the World Cups uh, again. It's been very quiet. You don't really get to hear much scoop or hype. And I don't know if you guys have heard anything different. What are, What are your thoughts on 
UCI World Cups Worlds moving forward this year? They're just, they're so hard. You know, mm. the, the level of racing that goes on, um, now being on the coaching role and kind of, now it's my job to kind of pick apart laps and like, like I remember racing Poppendall and I'm sitting in the little coach's area and I watched one of our guys, Zach Van Kamen, and this was first round. He was right on a rider, skipped one pedal to stay in a comfortable spot down the second straightaway, mm. went into the second turn in third and came out in last. Wow. Like he missed one pedal, one guy got an elbow underneath him, pushed him high, two guys high load him, he couldn't do the jump out of the turn. Right. Like you've gotta be you've gotta run perfect laps from the first one through the main event. Yeah. And it's just there it's hard, man. Yeah. Give those riders credit. And now that I've retired from that, I can appreciate it that much more. Yeah, well I put myself when I'm watching at home online the World Cups, yeah. I'm put I'm like I feel bad. I watch the guys at the back and I'm like thinking, what's he thinking? What's yeah. he thinking? What's what's his thoughts? How's he gonna get out of this? You know, and I like you put your own little race head in and, and, sure. and yeah and like you can see it's got to be really frustrating for a lot of people the 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 the, the way you know the structure of the world cup itself is there anything you could change i see they went to two days this year is there anything else you'd like to see to, to make uh, it better i do like the fact that they went two days meaning like if you come on clip to like your whole trip to europe isn't over right uh, i like the fact that they uh they incorporate you can incorporate amateur events now too just for whoever's running the event can put on their own event too yeah. um, you know a handful of paris did that see Argentina did it as well I think that's kind of cool because you're just going to draw you're going to bring out a crowd who already races a little bit more mm-hmm. if they have a reason to race themselves um, I mean I just I think during the motos they could run it a little bit quicker it's kind of stale man it's just a little bit boring um, but then just I, I've always wanted to see it be a show you know I think it could still be a show I don't think I think they're trying but realistically there's not much difference in what they do at a world cup versus kind of what I do at a local race mm-hmm. as far as like other than the talent is obviously way better. Right. But the format is traditionally, it's going to be the same format as a local race or a World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not too much loud music and hyping the crowds up and, you know, just more show. Right. I've always thought you could bring that element into a World Cup for a real show and some success. Kind of like they do like a San Etienne race. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, I was watching the the one can last week and I was watching Kimmin's little YouTube video and there was introductions and fireworks and uh yeah it seemed, i mean the french just you know i spoke about it with sylvain when i did a little podcast with him they just know how to put a good little show on you know and yeah it's always been like that you know so and i think we need to get maybe away a little bit from again this is where it's hard because the olympic stuff getting away from running races and mm-hmm. putting on events mm-hmm. you know something that what would sell a ticket and what would give people a reason to watch it online or tv yeah and learn how to package that into a couple hour show yeah and you don't even need it to be on tv anymore man like i mean yeah no one's on it watching uh, that anyway either, yeah again i'll go back to the whole shot challenge that that we did uh by the end of it all between our pre-marketing our post wrap-up our live viewers we had over 250,000 views from what we did with that. Yeah, that's good. We had 60,000 views on Facebook alone the night of the event. Like, right. People do want to tune in and watch BMX racing if it's packaged the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it and you love it. Like, mm. do you watch the whole day or do you tune on to it towards the end? Yeah, yeah. Even you know? when they send the UCI, um, the, the, the show, you know, yeah. when the, uh, Pete's, the, the production company, they send it over, um, it would sit in my inbox for a two or three weeks before I actually watch that 30 minute show you know and forgive me if they have done a better job recently because mm. I am there now so I'm not always watching right because I'm, I'm on the sidelines this is uh pre-2018 so this is me watching 2017 right so tw- 2018 I was there at all the events so I can't comment yeah now I mean the li- I do watch the, the live show live as it's going on but they, they package a tv show as well which you'll get you know like okay. you said the pub and will come a couple months later in, in an email you know this is the one that's going to be on on, on tv a 30 minute show gotcha. which you never really see on tv uh, but you can still get to watch the show. But yeah, I think it's uh, 
Yeah, it's a tough now with all kids uh, glued to their phones, you know. So yeah. It's not, not, not maybe it's all about being on TV anymore, is it? It's, uh, yeah. But take that show and get it on get it on YouTube somewhere, you know. I mean, kids live on YouTube and get right. it out there. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to package it and save it for a big sponsor with TV or something like that. So for, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Cool. All right, well, let's wrap it up with uh, tell us maybe uh, Chula Vista, what you got going for the – I know you've got uh, the four-star series as the first race for the year. What yeah. else is happening at Chula Vista going out this year? Oh, uh, man, we got tons of stuff going on this year. Um, obviously, we had, like, the four-star series this weekend. That's more like the – that's the old – that's the old NBL State Series. Yeah, is essentially what that is. So that's more. It's like, really fun. I went to the last round last year. They and, do like a yeah. flat pedalman's gentleman. Yeah, we had a two-lap old man race. Yeah, yeah where yeah. you gotta wear like if you do the gentleman's race, you have to wear jeans and right. flat pedals. Yes. Uh, so good... that's a super fun one. Obviously, state races. We do have the Gold Cup right. uh, going on with the Hall of Fame dinner. That's always a cool. That one. was a great one of my favorite weekends last year. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know. And. It's, and I've been toying with the idea of maybe doing another whole shot challenge. Right, why not? Yeah. It, it, it's a ton of work, that's why I haven't done it. Right. But at the same time, it's super rewarding. And uh, I just, I love, I just want, I like the challenge and just to be able to see if I can pull it off. And yeah. I couldn't do one last year. I was just cooked from the one the year before. Right. But I've been, I've been toying with the idea. Yeah. So, all the listeners, if you guys want to see one, let me know. And maybe it'll give me an extra motivation to put one together. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was definitely a fun night. And I, th- I think we're at the point now we need to do some fun, different stuff to keep everybody interested. And there's obviously a lot of negativity. Yeah. I can say that word properly. Um, online, you know, with BMX racing, with people's different views. So, maybe some fun little events. I was listening to Al, Crazy Al Kane. Yeah on uh, Rail the Berm and um, um, he was saying he puts all kinds of fun things on back in you know in New York on the pump tracks and he does like That's fun it. events bunny hops and you know jumping events like kind of old schooly stuff that they used to do in the 80s you know at the BMX races so I think a lot of that stuff is maybe a good time to anything extra and different anything you know? like that is just it's just good like you're not gonna go wrong right. at the end of the day anything you do whether it be on like a big level like trying to do like a national event or whether it be a local level where you do a bunny hop competition in before the main event and right. you hand out a set of grips like anything that's gonna get more kids out to your local track and yeah. keep it fun I mean that's that's what we're doing I mean you you and I both like you run a very successful summer program and you get a ton of kids on bikes mm-hmm. but it's about keeping it fun and giving yes. you something to enjoy absolutely and you, you do a great job of that as well you know and um, yeah I think like you, you guys have always got something going on and I appreciate you always letting me do my camps at your track you're, you're a great. professional and one of the best hosts and uh, always uh, easy and great to work with I appreciate that um, anything you want to wrap up shout outs um, I don't think so off the top of my head uh, I mean I think probably the biggest thing is like we talked about in this like there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there the guys that are complaining and hating like just just try something try something to make it better if you if you want the pro purse to be out bigger go to your local race and put something together with some local sponsors where you can pay the pros or yeah. you know who knows there's, there's just a ton of stuff but you know maybe just try to be a little more negative and a little bit more positive because mm-hmm. collectively as a whole we have a lot of power and we can do some really cool stuff um other than that i'm always at the races so feel free to reach out and hit me up i'd love to meet new people and all my social media stuff is at tyler brown 316 and thanks to the podcast man it was fun awesome thanks tyler and we'll catch everybody uh, next time cheers sounds good see ya